This is Father Aaron with another podcast. Happy Sunday. For the first time today, the Church keeps Word of God Sunday. Pope Francis recently instituted this commemoration to give Catholics a chance to look at the role Scripture plays in the Christian life. In my homily for the first celebration of this day, I want to focus on how Catholics need to put a lot more effort into reading the Bible. Because the Bible isn't just a thing for Protestants, we need to understand it as well. In fact, we should appreciate it even more than most Christians. When I was in seminary, One of my scripture professors told us that he didn't have a lot of patience for people who make jokes about Catholics and their knowledge of the Bible. Maybe you found yourself in a situation before when you're faced with a non-Catholic Christian who questions you on scripture, and you just feel lost. The answer a lot of Catholics usually give in this situation is something like, well, I'm a Catholic, so I don't know the Bible. It's pretty regrettable, but many Catholics do not know Scripture to the extent that they should, or to the extent that non-Catholic Christians do. But this is an issue not only because of how important sacred Scripture is to the Christian life, but also because our ignorance misrepresents the truth about the Bible. The Bible didn't just fall out of the sky one day. Jesus didn't do a signing day at the bookstore in Jerusalem before he ascended into heaven. When St. Paul speaks of Scripture, we know he is speaking of the Old Testament, of the Jewish Bible. He can't possibly be speaking about the New Testament, since, after all, he is the author of most of the New Testament. But the history of where the Bible comes from is no mystery, though so many Christians seem to treat it as if it is. Christians are very ready to accept the existence of extinct species, or to study hieroglyphics in ancient Egypt or the mythology of ancient Greeks, all of which are thousands of years older than the Bible. And yet when it comes to something as important as sacred scripture, most people tend to turn a blind eye to the documented evidence we have pertaining to the history and origins of the Bible. Instead, we pretend the Bible appeared on the earth on its own, or was carried down by an angel neatly bound in its own imitation leather cover. Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said, Fundamentalism assumes that the Bible is fundamental. Catholicism retorts that the Bible is not a book, but a collection of books, and hence the question more fundamental is who gathered the books together and declared that they would constitute a Bible and be regarded as the revealed word of God. 
To answer this question is to get to a body beyond a book, namely a church with spirit. For Pentecost was not the descent of books on the heads of the apostles, but the descent of tongues. From that day on it was to be a tongue and a voice, and not a book, that would be fundamental in religion. Now what the Archbishop is saying is that the existence of a bound book which we call the Bible, that is, 73 separate texts held together between two covers, that book necessitates on its own the existence of some body of persons who compiled the book. Even more so with the text we claim to have a divine imprint. Whichever body put this book together must also have authority enough to make that claim. And there is no other group with such authority than the Church. Sacred scripture is considered sacred, not because when we pick up the book it's glowing or something like that, or when we read the Bible that the texts are easily distinguishable from other ancient texts. No, we consider the Bible sacred because the Church tells us it is sacred. It is a simple fact of history that the Bible as we know it today was compiled and published as a collective text by the Catholic Church. The denial of this isn't a matter of belief in some other doctrine. It's a rejection of simple historic fact, which is attested to by physical evidence readily accessible in today's world. And so when Catholics approach Scripture scripture with the mindset that the Bible isn't really our priority, or that it's a Protestant thing, and somehow that Protestants have a better right to read the Bible than we do as Catholics, then we set aside the reality of the Bible as it is. That is, that it's the Church's book. It's ours. And therefore we should know it. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis, established this past fall that each year Catholics would keep this Sunday as Word of God Sunday, so that each of us would come to better appreciate the role that sacred scripture must play in the Christian life. In the words of St. Jerome, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. All of the events of Christ's life, which we hear read out from week to week at Mass, these are not disconnected stories. The Gospels, like most of Scripture, presents a narrative where one point necessarily flows from another and connects to the next. Our understanding of the events of Christ's life will be so much more easily grasped if we can begin to connect these events together. And even more than that, if we can realize their context, both within the gospel, but also within the greater whole of the biblical narrative. Take today's gospel as an example. There is really not a lot there without understanding our context. We hear that St. John the Baptist has been arrested. Jesus is traveling to a certain village. St. Matthew gives us a long list of various cities which we probably skim over as unnecessary. And then Jesus tells everyone to repent. That's the gospel in summary. Now, if you don't understand the underlying narrative of the gospel, you would be stuck with this sort of trite moral lesson. Jesus wants us to repent. Of course, that is a true statement. But when we remove all these other details from the story, the whole Bible sort of boils down to that message, doesn't it? God could have left us a tweet or a fortune cookie if that's all he wanted us to hear. We need to look deeper. St. John the Baptist is arrested. Where were we before this? Last week in the Gospel, we heard our Lord had been baptized by John. John had been revealed to be the last prophet, the one who would point out the Messiah. And John himself stated that once the Messiah came, his mission will be fulfilled. 
and so John's arrest is signaling for us a transfer of his mission. And our Lord seals it by preaching the same message that John preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now more than that, we can learn from St. Matthew's text that our Lord, when he hears about the news of John, travels to Galilee. Even more particularly, he travels to a city in Galilee called Capernaum. We're going to see later that this is the hometown of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. But before we can get to those apostles, Matthew was quick to note for us that this town is in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now that detail is not insignificant. Let's take a look at the first reading for a moment. Before this place in our text, Isaiah has been giving a prophecy about a new king who would rise up in Israel and take on David's mantle. Why is that important? Well, because God promised to David that his dynasty would never end. But in all honesty, it did. Now, David's family line had a pretty good run. There were kings on the Davidic throne for a few hundred years. But eventually, it all fell apart. And it could seem like God was forfeiting his promise. Isaiah is trying to underscore for the Jews that God's promises are never false, but that they don't always come about in a way we would expect them to. So the prophet speaks about the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which at his time had recently been invaded by the Assyrian Empire. So few Jews remained in that region at the time of Isaiah that they started referring to it as the Galilee of the Gentiles, a sort of derogatory term. It's like saying that this was now pagan land. Then comes Isaiah's prophecy. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It's a passage we're all familiar with because we hear it every year in Advent. We usually relate it to the coming of the Messiah or the star over Bethlehem. Isaiah explains that when the Messiah comes, the first place that he will preach his message will be in Zebulun and Naphtali, the Galilee of the Gentiles. And it will be a light to all those Jews whose homeland had been invaded by pagan conquerors, such that their faith would sort of be reborn in that region first. Now, let's go back to the Gospel. St. John the Baptist is in prison and soon will be executed. His days of preaching are over. Our Lord will begin his public ministry, and the first place he goes is where? Zebulun and Naphtali. St. Matthew gives this detail to us not simply so that we can pull out a map and look at it and say, oh, that's neat, Jesus was there. No, he tells us because it underscores the reality of who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the successor of David. He is the fulfillment of God's promise to Israel. He is the light to those in darkness. The entirety of the Bible has to be understood in the same way. Otherwise, you're left with a collection of pithy statements and platitudes. So what's the moral? Every Catholic home needs a Bible. And if possible, everyone in that house needs a copy. I use the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition because I find it to be the most accurate translation available to Catholics, but use whatever translation is available to you. There are dozens of pamphlets and books out there that give you ways you can read the Bible over the course of a year or over a season or what have you. My recommendation is if you're not already reading the Bible, commit to reading a book of the Bible before Easter. See how many chapters there are in the book and then just divide it by the number of days we have left until Easter. You're going to end up with a few verses each day, depending on which book you choose. We can't allow the heritage of our faith, the Holy Bible, 
to be entirely misunderstood by Catholics and seen as something that's not proper to our faith. Far less can we permit Christian society to continue to see the Bible as the property of Protestants, as an anti-Catholic book. The Bible is a Catholic book. And so we should know, appreciate it, and love it. Not just because it's ours, but because knowledge of sacred scripture is knowledge of Christ. The love of scripture is the love of Christ. Thank you for taking the time to listen in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating or comment. Also tell your friends and family about it and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website for more great content. That's jacksonpriest.com. Jacksonpriest with an S.com. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>